It takes more than trying to remember the arguments to tar to be a great software engineer. This is episode 116 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast, and I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer all of your non-technical questions about technical fields like software development and also fail to remember the order of arguments to tar, <laughs> or even what they are. Actually, I heard a mnemonic. Have you heard of compress the files? Oh, that's a good one. And extract the files? <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I have not heard that. Well, now you have. I can't. I saw it on Twitter. I can't remember. I'll, I'll try and look them up and give credit <laughs> to them. That's a good one. But it, it's not just that. You have to know more stuff. <laughs> try Now try and coming up with a mnemonic that lets you tar, compress, and then pipe to SSH and decompress and extract on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's called Google. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the mnemonic. All right. We have some patrons we want to. Oh, what? yeah. Are you going to do it? I was going to. I was going to say we have some patrons to thank. You should say that. Maybe we should simultaneously thank them. Give <laughs> me a creepy, like, cult <laughs> voice. Yeah. We all right. Have some patrons. Yeah. I will say thank you. Thank you to all of our patrons. This week, we'd like to thank those that are donating at the illustrious level that gives them a call out each week. Nick Cantar, Dimitro and Neonilla, David Jackson, Ken Howard, Sean Clayton, Dustin Coates. Thank you to each of you. And if you'd like to join them, you may go to patreon.com slash softskillseng where you can contribute or hit up our website at softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. Yeah, we're pretty excited. We've actually started working with a designer and so pretty things should be happening soon. Mm-hmm. So thank you for your support, which makes that possible. Yes. All right. I will read our first question. This is from an anonymous listener. First, love the show. Important preamble. <laughs> it's all questions. I work at a growing startup, and while I was hired as a web dev, I have recently started working on unrelated but cutting-edge tech for the company during off hours. My boss has encouraged me to do this with monetary and office life bonuses and has reworked our business model to focus on it. The only problem is that our CEO overpromises and pushes me to my mental and physical limits for very short turnarounds. I still have to do my regular job. While I love the challenge and love the company, I feel set up to fail, and the 40-hour coding sprints over the weekend are killing me. I feel like I'm setting a horrible precedent because somehow defying all logic, I've at the deadline each time. How far is too far? Should I keep killing myself or take the agony of defeat on a project? <laughs> the agony of defeat. The agony of working 40 hours on the weekend sounds worse than the agony of defeat <laughs> on a project, which the company has pivoted to focus on, but yet you are still somehow doing by yourself on the weekend. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like your company has reworked the business model to focus on it. It sounds like your CEO has figured out how to take advantage of people. <laughs> the whole company is now depending on your weekend time. Yeah, Sounds like a sustainable business model. Here's some free pizza <laughs> as a nice little perk for you. Buckle up. The CEO is probably just probably he probably is going back with his CEO buddies and he's like, look, I have an experiment. I'm going to see how much free work I can get out of this engineer for nothing. But I can pizza. imagine the smoky back rooms, cigars, like there's some exclusive club that I've never even heard of. And they're like, guess what I made my employee do. <laughs> Uh, I told them that if they worked over the weekend, the company would be totally successful. <laughs> I don't know. This is weird. I wonder how much pizza we're talking here, because if it's like hundreds <laughs> yeah. of boxes of pizza, that could get interesting. <laughs> we converted your hourly, your, your hourly rate to these little Caesars $5 pizzas. <laughs> Whatever that is, I don't know, 35, 50 bucks an hour. That's like a. It's like 10 know. pizzas an hour. Yeah. That's, an that's a new pizza that shows salary. up every six minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is great. <laughs> for the first minute. <laughs> I wish I could get paid in pizza all the time. So if you did that for 40 hours over one weekend, how many pizzas would that be? My gosh. I'll tell you enough to retire on. <laughs> 
That's retirement pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Just drop it off at your financial planner's office. But seriously, if you're doing this every weekend, which I suspect you are not, because doing this every weekend, I think you would have already flamed out way before you could write this question. But if you were doing 40 hours of extra work every weekend, that's a full-time equivalent, which means your boss is getting the deal of a lifetime. Yeah, I'm trying to hire somebody right now. I would love to just pay them in pizza. Actually, I wouldn't care because it's not like my money, but <laughs> I, would, I would be sad. Never mind, it would be worse. <laughs> if you're starting up your own little startup and it was coming out of your life savings, I think you'd be thrilled to pay with pizza. I think I would if I were an evil human. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I would instead feel bad that someone was working without getting paid. This is really weird. Maybe that's why I won't ever be a CEO. <laughs> yeah, this is why you don't even know about the club. Our CEO overpromises and pushes me to my mental and physical limits for very short turnarounds. So I could see that just being maybe maybe they're just really excited about new ideas and they just kind of get ahead of themselves. But then when they when they turn around and say, by the way, I promised this new thing in this field that you were not hired to work in that you don't know, please get to work. That, that just seems dysfunctional. If this was me in this situation on the receiving end, I am such a people pleaser. And I know you are too, Jameson. It, it, this could be a case where the CEO is actually not telling you to do this, but there is mm -hmm. a little bit of room for miscommunication where you take his thoughts and his excitement about the idea. Well, and the fact that he promised it to a customer to say, well, I will, I will, <laughs> I will not let this fail, you know? And it could be that the yeah. CEO is like, well, this is a long shot. We'll see what happens. And then you come back successful and the CEO is like, oh, I guess it wasn't that bad, <laughs> you know? And so that's what we call, well, if I were an economist, that's what we would call an externality where the CEO is not aware of the pain he's inflicting just because he doesn't know that you look, I mean, you look for all, from the outside, you look like you're delivering successfully here, but you know that it's actually super painful and exhausting and unsustainable. But all the CEO knows maybe is every time I get excited and tell Mr. Anonymous about a uh, project, I get what I want. Yeah. E either way, I feel like the solution is the same. Either if they're doing it on purpose or if they're doing it out of ignorance, you, you have to say this isn't sustainable. If you want this to be my job, I would love to do this for my full-time job. I don't want to do this and another full-time job. There are plenty of jobs out there. You can find a different job. Actually, this is a perfect time to take the eternal soft skills engineering advice. Quit your job and don't get a new one. You have two jobs right now. <laughs> quit one of them. Either quit being a web dev or quit being a cutting edge tech during off hours developer yeah yeah <laughs> like if the company has truly reworked its business model to focus on it congratulations you have leverage <laughs> the pizza yeah, they sure do and you can say hey very truthfully it's not like you're holding them hostage it's i would be concerned about a business risk of if the company depends yes, on this one person depend just, on you just burning themselves out to complete projects that's not a long-term solution and it's not going to work long term you're going to quit or you're going to fail because you're not in a situation where you can succeed. So I, I think you have a pretty compelling case to say like, hey, this maybe started out as a skunk works experiment thing. It's time to grow up a little bit and, and treat it like a real thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's time to invest in it. That That's the term I think that you need to say is that we've been prototyping. We've proven the concept. We think there's business value. Now it's time to invest for real. And what I mean by that is, I need to be A, not the only person working on this, and B, I need to be able to dedicate more high quality time to this instead of just my weekend and off hours, which so far have been useful for cranking out a prototype. But if we build a business on this, uh, it's going to fail because you're going to get low quality, you know, sh cobbled together stuff that won't scale or won't sustain itself. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the tight turnaround times and over promising, that's bad. That's 
normal bad bill. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are lots of places. That's, that's the business model of agencies, right? Like, <laughs> that's how they work. Mm-hmm. But um, the fact that you have to do this in addition to your other job is abnormal bad. And <laughs> ideally, you'd have neither of those. But I feel like you could survive if that was your only job. Mm-hmm. I, um, I think this developer, this, this listener, is really afraid of failure. And uh, to, to the point, actually, that they're willing to work 40 hours in a single weekend to avoid failure. And I got to say, I, I look up to that. Your tenacity, you know, your, let's just use the word passion. <laughs> you're clearly a missionary, not a mercenary, right? But I don't know. Pizza. <laughs> you're a pizza mercenary. <laughs> <laughs> but I wonder if it's the fear of failure that's motivating you so hard. Maybe it would be good for you to experience not meeting these crazy expectations. And, you know, what does it look like when you have an honest conversation with someone and say, I tried, I didn't meet the expectations, here's what I need to be successful. You know, that conversation is just totally lacking from this scenario. And I think it could really benefit everyone involved. You talked about being a people pleaser earlier, and it feels really good to say yes in the moment. We've talked about this before. And then the pain of having to deliver what you said yes to mm-hmm. comes over time. One thing that I've tried to move to as I, as I try and improve from saying yes to too many things and not delivering is saying, yes, what will we give up to make this happen? Yeah. Like, what's the trade-off? And, and if that, that's a trade-off that you can decide or you can pass that up and say, like, yeah, I can do that, but I can't do this and all the other stuff that I already said I was going to do. So tell me, help me, help me understand the priorities. Which of these things is more important and which of these things are we going to drop to do this more important thing? Yeah, I love that. that. That's such an important conversation to have, but it also takes a lot of groundwork or sorry, a lot of legwork to get uh, to have that conversation in a way that your leadership can understand it and really make a good decision. I've often been surprised at the details that leadership is unaware of when it comes to ranking priorities against each other. You know, you really have to spell it out and and get everything up on the, say, on the whiteboard at the same time so that they can actually make an informed decision about what's most important for the business. So you'll need to come prepared with a nice list of, you know, what's going on. And frankly, this is actually probably above your pay grade. I was going to say, I would push back on that, Dave. That's that's literally your your boss's job. Mm Mm-hmm. Their job is to <laughs> is to identify priorities. Mm-hmm. So if if they can't do that, then they're not doing their job. It's probably I don't know. It's not unheard of that they may not have done it. That they may just be saying like all this stuff's important. Let's do it all. But you should be able to say help me prioritize these things. And if they can't do it, they don't. That's their legwork, right? Yep, like that's true. As an individual contributor, your job is to get stuff done, and you can contribute and pass ideas up and and have a big impact. But when it comes down to deciding like which of these important business goals is more important, that's a CEO's job. Yep. Yep. Absolutely right. And you should be able to influence that. It sounds like you're actually quite trusted. Yeah, yeah. You know, this person's coming to you. The CEO's coming to you directly to get this skunk work stuff done. And and so your opinion should have a lot of sway. And don't discount yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. You can argue and you can persuade and present cases. But if the answer is they're all important, then the answer <laughs> is none of them is more important than the other, which is not true. Yep. Well, has the question been answered? I think so. You're going to have to have a hard conversation. And I think you've probably gotten to the point where the pain of continuing is actually less or is actually greater than the pain of having that hard conversation. That's how I deal with my hard conversations. <laughs> I just wait until it hurts more to not have it. Yep. And then it pushes me over the edge. <laughs> so that's where you are. And good luck. Yeah. It'll be better after. 
no matter what. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And Do this will read be, our next question. Oh. Yeah, I was just going to say this will be a valuable skill for you to develop. And the next time you start sensing a situation like this, you'll probably jump into this conversation a little bit earlier. Yeah. All right. Do you want to read our next question? Yeah. This one comes from a listener named Julian who writes, Hi, I love the show. Please keep up the great work. Thanks, Julian. I'm currently working as a senior solutions architect after a career career progression that looks like this. Junior developer, intermediate developer, senior developer, junior architect, intermediate architect, senior architect. In a recent one-on-one with my boss, we were discussing my future career options and concluded that the next step for me would be one of the following three positions, VP of engineering, chief architect, or CTO. According to him, all three have similar levels of prestige, pay, and influence, but they vary in the nature of the job. Reflecting on the conversation, it dawned on me that I'm close to the final stage of my career. I'm currently 39 years old, so I'm now thinking to myself, is that really it? One more promotion and I've successfully climbed the corporate ladder? End of the line? Time to retire? Nothing more to strive for? So could you please talk about the software career progression, what to aspire to, and how to measure one's own progress once one has reached the top of the ladder? I think we can talk about what to aspire to in a couple minutes, right? There's <laughs> How deep could that topic be? Uh, not very deep. <laughs> I aspire to sleep well at night, just chillax all day. That is the good life. I believe that was Plato. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting question on several levels. One of the questions is about what does the software career ladder or progression look like? And then the other mm-hmm. question is, what does it mean when I have reached what I view as the top of the ladder? What yes. happens next? Yes. I, I got to tell you, having right. stood on the top of an actual ladder, it's not very fun. <laughs> <laughs> super imbalanced. Super All you hard can do to, is like, get down. <laughs> Climbing the ladder is kind of exciting. <laughs> I actually say that only half joking because, you know, I, I do not view my career progression as a ladder where I'm trying to reach the top, um, where I'm standing on the top of this thing. And when I look at the, the three things you've listed here, VP of engineering, chief architect, and CTO... Uh, I actually see I see two parallel paths here. VP of engineering and CTO are effectively the same role in my mind. Um, well, actually, I guess I take that back. It really depends on the company, but they're definitely on the same track. Yeah. Chief architect, on the other hand, is typically like a uh, technical individual contributor role uh, where you have a lot of technical influence, but no reporting requirements, by which I mean no one reports to you. You don't have any management responsibilities. Uh, etc. Whereas on the VP of engineering and CTO side, you're definitely on the management track where you have to deal with performance, hiring and firing, compensation, and a lot of other management things, which I've written down here and I'll get to later. So uh, I think the first thing you need to decide is which of those two tracks you want to pursue, whether you want to go into management or continue on the chief architect track. And if you go to chief architect, you're, you're basically doing more of what you've already done. But if you go to the other track, you have just stepped into a whole new universe that I promise you, you had no idea even existed. And you're only just beginning that career path. Um, having Jameson and I have both done management for a number of years. And I'm sure that Jameson, you had the same experience I did when you started, which is that there is just so much stuff to be concerned about and work on on the management side that as an individual contributor, I basically had no idea it even existed. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I would not want to be a CTO right now. I guess it depends on the size of the company. If it's like a five-person startup, then you just kind of all look at each other and you squint your eyes and then the doo 
wah, wah. <laughs> and whoever loses the shootout is the CTO. Like CTO is just the title you give to the person you give all the work to that you don't want to do. But uh, like an actual CTO at a medium or large size company would not be a job that I, don't, I would be qualified for or enjoy. So depending on the size of the company, I would question the jump from senior architect to CTO because of all of the additional management responsibility that comes with that, especially yeah. assuming senior architect doesn't involve a lot of management. That's like a safe assumption, I think. You jump. There's definitely some benefit to having those deep technical skills, but jumping from not managing to like chief technical manager person would be <laughs> an enormous jump that you'd be ill-prepared for in some organizations. Absolutely. And just just to give you a sense for how ill-prepared you would be, I've just written down a little list here of the various things that CTOs need to be aware of and work with uh, to do their job effectively. Do you mind if I just rattle these off? Please. So finance, marketing, sales, accounting, operations, leading engineers, managing performance, compensation, hiring, firing, mentoring, scheduling, resource allocation, office space design, team organization, and the list goes on. Why would anyone want that job? What a horrible job. <laughs> it's the top of the ladder, Jameson. That's true. The view is so great from up there. It usually comes with more money. That's true. I worked at a startup for my first job, and my CTO there, there were like 10 people or something, and we had a CTO who's just like the most senior engineer person. But he was very young, um, and then we got a different CEO who was also very young. And, and it was basically like that role was basically like senior engineer or, or architect so depending on the size of the company maybe there's differences do you want to talk about this idea of career progression i feel like implicit in this question is a, a linear up and to the right graph in terms of title and salary and influence and and, and amount of stuff you get to do and that's yeah. one model of career progression you always pick the thing that is more responsibility more prestige more money more more something yeah more more yeah but i think that's optimizing for more, which might not necessarily be the thing that makes you happiest. You can definitely pick a lot of, there's a lot of different axes besides more words in your title or more impressive words in your title, which usually mm -hmm. come with more money. You can, you can pick a place to live. You can pick a team you want to work with. You can pick a specific product you want to work on. You can pick a specific technology you want to work in. Like there's just a lot besides how do I get to the next thing in, in the ladder? And I don't know. Does Are you happier now, Dave? Am, am I or happier? Have, have you, how, how about this? Have you been happier, more satisfied in your career when you feel like you've taken a step up the ladder? No. <laughs> I don't know. Have you been less happy or like the same amount of happy or I don't know. Every time I've taken a step up the ladder, so to speak, it's been by accident, I think. I've just never really deliberately said I'm going to go for that. I, I'm just not very ambitious in that way. I've never really said I'm going to take that step. I'm going to go for it. And the times when I have, okay, I said never, but there have been a few times where I have thought about that and worked on it. And you know what? The process of taking that step and trying to move up in that position just hasn't been all that satisfying to me. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? I think there have been times where I've deliberately said, like, I want this kind of job. Well, that, but... that's different from move up on the so-called ladder yeah i don't know i feel like i'm trying to say something without saying it I'm trying to to hint at it without saying it so i'll just say it instead i i guess why do you want to do these things i i don't see i mean it's a limited amount of information in a question so you can't put your personal philosophy and hopes and dreams and stuff but i i would question the value of 
moving up, so to speak, for its own sake? Like, what what do you want to do that that would enable? And that might also yeah. clarify which, if you do want to move up, which of those roles you want to take. If you want a larger technical influence, or if you want, if you really want to influence, like, the culture of an organization and its mission, or, I mean, there's there's things that come with these roles and are those things that you want or do you just want the roles for their own sake or do you want more money or Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like identifying what you want out of it would, would help clarify what direction to go. And it also might be none of those directions, right? Maybe you want to spend more time on your hobbies or with your family or, or away from work. And then like, turns out after you've been a senior architect, maybe it's pretty easy to go back down to just be like an individual, individual contributor you can just chillax and do good work and then go home. Yeah. Or maybe. or maybe maybe you have very specialized experience that lets you go like found a startup in a field that you have deep technical expertise in and that's none of those things, right? That's like founder that becomes something else depending on how that founding goes. Yeah, and that that I think is where the possibilities really expand. You know, I mean, just just because you had the title CTO doesn't or VP of engineering or chief architect, that doesn't mean that you've arrived and that you've checked that box off on your ladder of progression. You know, there's so many things you can do within that area to, to uh, satisfy whatever it is you're looking for. You know, like for me, for example, I would really like for my next role to be something like on, the, on that spectrum, something in like the VP of engineering or CTO role, because what I've found is that I really have enjoyed growing teams. And I really would like to do that from scratch, where I take, you know, nothing, a start of an idea, maybe a business partner and grow a team to fulfill some need and uh, be part of that growth from the very beginning. So that's what I want to do, you know? So there's so many options there. Yeah. You know, just because you have that title doesn't mean you've really arrived. You know, there's so many different directions you can go from that point. And I, I think you could spend your whole life learning how to be a good CTO or VP of engineering, uh, from, you know, and, and still maybe never actually tick that box fully. I like what you said there because it focuses on skills, not necessarily external representation of those skills. I care a lot about getting better. I do care what my day-to-day is like, so I I care about my role in that it affects my day-to-day. But I feel like once I'm in a role, I focus a lot on what can I do to go from being really sucky at it (laughs) to less sucky. (laughs) So that's, and that's enormously fulfilling to me. And how do you measure your progress along the sucky to less sucky spectrum? Every day I think, boy, I just suck at this. And then at the end of the year, I'm like, you know, I suck a little less, even though every day I felt like I suck. <laughs> I'll write a book about it. That's my scientific progress evaluation philosophy. Yeah, I don't have I don't have a good system for measuring it besides what I feel like. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one of the things I need to improve at. Uh, I, I still feel like we haven't really addressed this like what to aspire to and how to measure one's own progress. That's part of the question. I think that at this point in your career, well, okay, let me just say this. I don't think people generally get a lot of satisfaction out of aspiring to the next title or the next rung on the career progression chart at your company. I don't think that gives deep abiding satisfaction. What I think does give satisfaction is experiences you want to have and challenges you want to overcome. And so I think if you could identify those kinds of things, challenges you want to tackle, like starting a company or like growing a team 
or like successfully mentoring someone to do something they want to do that's challenging, stuff like that. I think you can derive great satisfaction from. And that's the kind of thing you can put a goal on, I think, and say, I'm, I'm going to do this. But it's not necessarily going to be achieved with a checkbox on a career progression ladder that you would read in like a corporate policy. Yeah. We've talked about the hedonic treadmill on this show before, I think, right? Do you remember Oh, yeah. That? Yeah, it's been that's, a while. That's true. It's, it's the idea that you quickly adapt to your improved circumstances. So it'll probably make you happy for a little bit when you if, if you get a promotion and get a pay bump and and then you'll just kind of go back to the same baseline level of happiness you were at before it uh yep yeah we adapt really well to good things <laughs> it turns out and then just the baseline of our expectations is now raised to wherever we are so i agree with you dave i think it is unlikely that you would feel an enduring sense of accomplishment for having achieved one of these titles that will be enough mm-hmm. to satisfy you if you're pursuing something mm-hmm. and you're just going to look around and be like what's the next thing and it kind of sounds like that's what you're thinking ahead of like once I have this what's the next thing and maybe that's when you turn inward a little bit yeah maybe and it gets more challenging right because there's not this clear path you know you have to do a lot of growing up I think yeah where you really have to say what's important to me because you know to this point you've been able to follow a pathway that was specified by others and they've said this is what we value and now you have to say what do I value and that's a much harder question to answer I think yeah and I don't think that's a thing that only happens once you become CTO or VP of engineering or chief architect I feel like I feel like I don't I could not see myself doing my boss's job I do not think I have the skills or personality or ability to perform at the level that that my boss performs at so effectively, I feel like I've in some ways reached the top of the ladder here. So I'll, what I'm doing is growing myself, not saying like, how do I get to that next rung? Because it feels kind of like not a thing. <laughs> huh. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe that's just fear or something. But my, my point is that this can happen at any point in the rung, not necessarily just at the top. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think at the top, there's a forcing function because there are no more rungs, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, people that get there are usually very high achieving, very motivated, very used to exceeding expectations and, and like exceeding targets and, and yeah. accomplishing tasks. And then what's the next target? Yeah, good point. Let's do it for pizza on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, think go get a job. All the pizza. Be two CTOs at once. <laughs> <laughs> Weekend CTO, daytime CTO. Yeah. <laughs> That's the next challenge. See if you can do it and only work for pizza as a CTO. Try to find a company that's actually willing to do that. You could check that off your list. <laughs> I've done a really good job at it. Now I'll see if I can do a really bad job. <laughs> yeah, this is a deep subject that I it think is. There's there's plenty left to explore. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I'm, I mean, Julian says he's 39 years old. And I'm going to assume Julian started his career in his young 20s. So, you know, 17, 18 years of experience at this point. Um, you know, most people work until their 60s. So, you know, you're, you're looking at 17 or 18 years into a 40 plus year career. Yeah. So this is a very important question to answer. And I think for some people, the answer might be a whole new career. You know, like I've gotten everything I want to get out of software engineering. I'm going to go try something else. Yeah. And that's becoming more and more common, I think. Not, I, I don't see a lot of people leaving software engineering, but I do see what I, uh, the trend that I do see, which is common, is that people will change careers completely, you know, multiple times in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I have, a, I have an acquaintance who changed from medical imaging to the oil industry, like just wow. completely pivoted and it's very satisfied. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I don't think I could ever be good at anything else. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> <laughs> I feel that way too. When the zombie apocalypse comes, Dave, I'm going to be like, do you need any like requirements analyzed? <laughs> and then maybe I could write some tests for them. And they'll be like, brains. And then I'll go and you'll run join, to my you'll neighbor's join the house. Yeah. Find all of my neighbors who have real skills and mooch off of them. <laughs> I'll build you like an app to manage your shotgun shells. Used to your inventory my family <laughs> the internet doesn't work so it's really good that it's a progressive web app and works offline <laughs> except without the internet or stack overflow i couldn't program anything anyway so oh crud we're screwed better start backing that up yeah <laughs> everyone some people you know the prepper movement where they store food and supplies I'm yeah, just gonna we have to be like internet ar- preppers for when the internet's gone. <laughs> I'm going to archive Wikipedia, archive Stack Overflow. We'll be All good. right, I've got my mission. <laughs> well, have we answered this question? I don't think we have, but I think we've given you the best we can, which is search your soul, young Julian. Yeah, you'll do great. Thank you for asking this question. This is a really deep one that has caused me to reflect on my own life and career. So yeah, me too. I appreciate it. Even if we didn't help you, I helped myself. So... At the end of the day, isn't that why we do this show? (laughs) I don't know if you're joking or not, but it is. Like (laughs) you can listen if you want. I just want to talk to Dave. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What can people do if they want to listen to me talk to you some more (laughs) about their crest about their problems? Just do whatever you did to get here in the first place. If you want your own questions answered, you can go to softskills.audio and click ask a question. It'll end up in a Google form that we take a look at every week to draw questions from. Thank you so much to those who have submitted. You you are the lifeblood of the show. You keep the show going. So please keep those questions coming. We're working through them. We've actually answered more questions now than we have in our backlog. So Yeah. <laughs> you do the math on that one. <laughs> yeah. The proportion of questions to questions answered is changing. That's right. It's dipped over one. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> it dipped upward? What's that? Uh, I don't Up know. and to the right. Newfangled dance move kids are doing that I don't know So about. on that note, I, I would like to say this question is the kind of question that I think would be best answered by a lot of different perspectives and voices rather than just ours. And you hmm. can add your own answer on our website if you go to softskills.audio and then scroll down uh, to the episode. Uh, what is this number? Whatever this episode number is. 116. Uh, And you can comment right there. People do read those, and sometimes some nice comment threads get started. We would love to hear your thoughts on that and uh, share that with others. Um, Because I think this is the kind of question that really benefits from a diverse set of perspectives. Unlike most questions, which are fully answered by just... (laughs) (laughs) I I agree with you. I mean... I don't know. I'm relatively early in my career still in the scheme of things. Like Julian has more experience than me. So I'm just I'm just rambling. It'd be great to hear somebody who maybe maybe someone's done this, right? They went up to CTO and then dipped back down. We're like, here's what I learned when I did that. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool. All right. All right. We'll catch you next week.